Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the Word. God bless you. Come with me in your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13. How many people are enjoying the one-year Bible? So proud of you. It's so, so great doing the one-year Bible. Thank you, Pastor Samuel Duth, for making that happen. Senator Sam. How many people love the Duths? How many people still wonder how on earth did Samuel get a Katie? That's just one of those mysteries. We won't, we won't discover till we get to heaven, Samuel. <laughs> Although Pastor Summer was saying maybe Katie sinned in a past life. <laughs> oh, there's a spirit of naughty up here. James Garcia, were you on the platform? Yeah, now I know the old James Garcia. Oh. Beautiful. Look at you magnificent humans. All right, are we all there? Exodus 13, we're going to read from verse 17 to 18. It says, when Pharaoh finally, and I'm reading from the NLT, the nearly, living translation, the NLT. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory even though it was the shortest route to the promised land. God said if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus, the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. What an awesome passage of Scripture. title of my message this morning is Lessons on Leaving. Lessons on leaving. It says, when Pharaoh finally let the Israelites go, when Pharaoh finally let them go, uh, how many people know that, that, that our end result isn't to get people saved? Our end result is to get them discipled, making disciples. We're not a church that once they get saved, our job's done. Hey, you take over from here, God. He's like, no, 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 no. I actually, I get them saved and born again, and then you disciple them. It begins when someone gets saved. It doesn't end when somebody gets saved. We're a discipleship church. So as I was reading this, it just really kind of jumped out and literally bit me in the, in the butt. I'm like, OMG. This is like the perfect description of people that have just gotten saved and what your assignment, my assignment is in a church, what we have to deal with. So here are three quick thoughts. The first one is the shortest or quickest route isn't the best one. Now, I, can we put point number one up? I can't remember what I, what I sent to the guys. It's different to what I've got on paper. Point number one is shortcut isn't always the best cut or something like that. Whatever it is. Anyway, so the shortest route isn't always the best route. 
How many people know that if I was inviting you around for, for, for dinner and, and I said, we're going to do roast chicken and then you come up and I've just pulled it out of the freezer and I'm sticking it in the microwave and I'm saying, hey, what do you think? Like 20 minutes? How many people right there would say, oh my gosh, I just forgot. I've got a previous engagement I've got to go to. You'd be at drive through Carl's Jr. in like 10 minutes. There's something about microwave that's good for popcorn, but not good for roasts. The best roasts are the slow oven cooked roasts. There's nothing better than when you go to get one of those pot stews and, and, and the, you know, the braised beef and it's been like cooking all day. They've been stewing it all day. There's something about when, when, when we were suffering in Cabo last week, struggling, struggling. Kayla, why is that funny? We were struggling. <laughs> they, they, uh, they had this one restaurant. They had four restaurants. One of the restaurants was a steak restaurant. And as you're walking into the steak restaurant, you walk past this glass case. And if you notice in the bottom, they had these big, look like rocks, but they were big slabs of salt. Big slabs of salt. And I said to Leanne, what, why? I don't understand. Like, why the big... And she goes, oh, babe, because it's, it sucks all the uh, moisture out of the air. And then above the, the, the slabs was just rows and rows of steaks. And it has on there, they change it out every day, how many days the steaks have been in there. And they won't serve you a steak unless it's been 45 days dry aged when you get that steak my goodness gracious me it is so tender your, your knife literally who's getting hungry right now you know your, your knife just falls through it but I thought isn't that interesting they don't they don't it doesn't go straight from the cow to the table it goes through a process it goes through a process God doesn't take him the shortest route the Bible says even even though going through the Philistine area or through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land, God didn't take them that way. Can I just tell you, God doesn't microwave his leaders. God doesn't microwave his purposes. God doesn't microwave character. God is a God that is committed to process. You, one of the things you'll read continually in your Bibles if you read your Bible, which we recommend, is it says, and it came to pass in the process of time. Down under we say in the process of time, but in the process of time. God uses time to process things. You can't microwave a leader. Just, well, you don't understand, Pastor. We need a leader. We need Biggest mistakes, biggest mistakes. The Bible says, lay hands on no man suddenly. In other words, don't be quick to appoint someone just because you have a need. I remember when, when I was finishing Bible college, there were two options. One, I believe, was from Jesus. The other one, I believe, was from the devil. The one from Jesus was there was a, a paid position. It was part-time but I would be the associate pastor as well as the youth pastor at Palm Beach Assemblies of God, Queensland, 
I mean, as soon as I read the words Palm Beach, I'm like, ah, this is Jesus. And then, then the pastor saw me at Hillsong Conference and told me that my office window literally looked out on, onto the ocean. I'm like, ah, this is God. The other option was to go to Manukau City, the second most violent city in the southern hemisphere outside of Johannesburg, South Africa, and uh, miles from the beach, freezing cold, and there was no salary, no pay. And I'm like, that's not God. <laughs> I was saved through Christian surfers. Uh, Queensland, where, where Palm Beach is, has 320 days of sunshine a year. The water in the winter gets down to about 74 in the water. And uh, so I'm just like, that is, uh, I can see it now, Christian surfers, I'm involved. This is, oh, surfing every day. It's going to be, a, this is Jesus. Unfortunately, God didn't see it that way. God's like, no, you're going to Manukau City, the armpit of the universe. And that's an armpit without any deodorant. And you're going there and there's no salary. There's no provision. And if I was honest with you, I was a little bit perplexed at God's misunderstanding. What I didn't realize was that just because I was graduating from Bible college and had all of my Bible college notes and materials and I was ready to preach. And just because I graduated with a high distinction. And felt like I was ready, just give me a pulpit, give me a platform, I'm ready and raring to go. Just because I thought all of those things, God saw something very, very different. He saw that there were still areas of brokenness, areas of fear, areas of rejection. He saw lack of faith in a number of areas. So he had to take me and put me where I did not want to go under a leader who was a bully in a place where not only was the leader a bully, but was completely uncaring when it came to salary, when it came to provision, we were largely left on our own. And so I began to realize that the boundaries that did not exist in me, I had to, I had to erect my own fences. I had to dig down and find my own faith. I remember uh, walking around Waddle Downs and walking around Conifer Grove and the homes back then were like $350,000. And I thought, my God, how will I ever even own a home? Like $350,000, you'll be buried in debt for the rest of your life. And, and it was, and I would walk around them and I would pray and I would feel the Holy Spirit remind me, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God, God says, I own the whole world. You think that a $350,000 home is too difficult for me? But back then, that's where my faith was. So what I found was that the, the, the quickest route, straight into a platform, straight into a paid position, straight into staff, straight into what wasn't God's plan. Can I just encourage you? God is a God of process. When you shoot an arrow... For that arrow to fly strong, straight, and true, the, it has to be pulled all the way back. If you just go, but all the way back. Sometimes your life will feel like it's moving backwards. Sometimes you'll feel like it's moving further backwards. Sometimes you'll feel more stretched than anybody. How come nobody? It's because God's got a plan that you're going to fly straighter, fly truer, 
and hit the mark greater. God is not a God that, that, that takes shortcuts. He's not a microwave God. He's a God of process. Do you know from when David realized that, that from when David was anointed and took down Goliath, it was 13 years before he became the king of Judah. And in that 13 years, God processed him. God process, processed him with, he had unfair accusations. Saul tried to murder him. He, he felt the sting of betrayal. He, 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 when the women were singing, Saul has slain his thousands, but David is tens of thousands. Instead of Saul rejoicing over this young pup who's a giant slayer, who's on his team, Saul felt threatened by him and drove him out hunted him down, sent assassins into the countryside. Joseph at 17 had dreams of greatness. And for 13 years, he faces betrayal by his family, thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, falsely accused of committing rape, convicted as a felon, put into a prison for a crime he did not commit, abandoned in a dungeon. And yet the whole time God was with him, did not leave him in the midst of all his injustice, in the midst of the betrayal, in the midst of the slavery, in the midst of it. God is showing Joseph that I am the God that processes you. He went in a 17-year-old spoiled little brat, but he emerged somebody who could manage the greatest crises ever to hit the Middle East at that particular time because God is a God of process. Do not reject. Do not shortcut. The worst thing we can do is shortcut people just because we need leaders. And, and listen, this is one of the, the biggest lessons I've learned. If you need leaders and so you, you shortcut, it's all going to fall apart. That's why we got to be continually producing leaders. And do you know where you get your leaders from? You get them from volunteer teams. Getting people to volunteer because the Bible says that Jesus came not to be served, even though he's the King of kings and Lord of lords, but he came to serve and lay down his life, life as a ransom for many. Your serve determines your lead. Someone who has struggled serving is not a great leader. Never put somebody that doesn't come. God has a servant heart. God has a servant heart. He doesn't have an entitled heart. He doesn't have a self-promoting heart. He has a servant heart. And so God always tests with serving. God tests with stewardship before he trusts with authority. One guy's given five talents, another two, another one. Well done, good and faithful servant. You took the five and you produced 10. Enter into the joy of the Lord. You're going to be in charge of 10 cities. God trusted with responsibility. Sorry, God tested with responsibility before he trusted with authority. Right now, you may say, well, hang on, I've got a vision that I'm going to be ruling over cities and here I am managing your stock portfolio. I didn't sign up for stock portfolio. Jesus says you've got to be faithful in three areas. Faithful in what is least, least attractive, least important, least appealing, has the least profile. I can't believe I'm in the program. I wanted to... To save a city, and here I am cleaning bathrooms. I mean, when, when we first moved to San Diego and I walked into Starbucks, Starbucks was my office, it was cheaper. <laughs> Cost me $4. Uh, back then it was a white chocolate mocha, and I could sit there for an hour and a half, get a whole lot of work done. I thought, man, that's the cheapest office rent in, and I get a beverage? Hello. <laughs> but I remember going to the bathroom, and I mean, Tell you why socialism doesn't work. <laughs> the difference between a public bathroom and a private bathroom 
Private bathrooms clean spotless. Public bathrooms, because it's always, well, it's not my responsibility. Someone else will. That's why when they say in 2030, you'll own nothing, but you'll be really happy. The reason they say that is because all the unhappy people have been shot. Are you happy? I'm happy. Oh, I'm really happy. <laughs> I love owning nothing. <laughs> anyway, so I go into this bathroom. I go into this bathroom. And there's, I mean, there's pee all over the seat and paper all over the floor. And somebody hasn't flushed. Uh, and so I'm like, oh, dear God, I've got to. And the Holy Spirit says, clean it up. I'm like, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't clean. God, you should know, like, you're a God of hygiene. This is most unhygienic. And God said to me, if you can't clean up the filth in a bathroom, how can I use you and the church to clean up the filth in men's souls? Now, that may have just been, I don't know, I may have just eaten bad pizza the night before. But I felt like sometimes God will whisper and won't reveal that it's completely him just to test you. It's the same with shopping carts. Like, I wish I didn't see that shopping cart just up on the... I'm like, it's not my shopping cart. It's not my responsibility. Oh, come on! God processes people. Number two. Here, let me... Number two. God says, I'm not going to take them through the Philistine area even though that's the shortest route to the promised land. God said, because if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Over 30 years of pastoring, this is the, this is the craziest truth that I've discovered. People have a proclivity to slavery over warfare. God says, I'm not taking them through the Philistine area because if the people encounter warfare, if the people see battle, they'll choose going back to slavery over warfare for their freedom. All advancement in your life will require warfare. All freedom requires warfare. To get the freedom requires warfare. To maintain the freedom requires warfare. When I got set free from, from last 20 something years ago, when I got set free, I'd love to tell you, and I've never had to battle again. <laughs> That's not true. I found that the, even though the Lord had set me free, I found that he, he gave me instructions for warfare to keep my freedom, to maintain my freedom. That's why the Bible talks about taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Jesus Christ. Put on the whole armour of God. God is trying to tell us, hey, this is not about a fashion statement. This is about a lifestyle, a lifestyle of warfare. Notice that the armour has no back on it. The armour only has a front on it because you were never meant to be in retreat back to slavery, retreat back to Egypt. You're always meant to be advancing in the kingdom you're always meant to be taking territory but there is a proclivity in all of those in pastoral care pastor Lance and pastor Alicia will tell you my gosh it's so frustrating 
People would prefer to go back to slavery. They go back to their addiction. They go back to their mess rather than exercise spiritual warfare, rather than draw a line in the sand, deny themselves and take on the devil. And take down giants and take down principalities. They would rather play the victim and go back. God did not take them through the land of the Philistines lest they encounter warfare and go back to slavery, go back to bondage. Now I'm telling you the number one thing that we got to make sure that we do is that we equip and we empower our people with the ability to engage in spiritual warfare. Your life is as free as you want it to be. You have as much peace in your life as you want right now. And if there's areas where you are bound, if there's areas where you're not having peace, can I just encourage you? The Holy Ghost is waiting. He's standing right beside you. He's your helper. He will equip you with all the armory. He has a full armory of all kinds of weaponry that He's ready to give at His disposal to you at your request to take down whatever giant, has been robbing your peace, has been tormenting your mind, has been stealing your sleep, has been robbing your family, has been taking away from your health. That's why I love that we're a Holy Ghost church. Man, oh man, oh man, when we came to San Diego, they said, whatever you do, don't be a Holy Ghost church. If we weren't a Holy Ghost church, we wouldn't have any miracles. We'd have no healings. There'd be babies that have never been born who are running around our kids' church right now. There are leaders rising that would have never made it in the kingdom. We wouldn't, be, we wouldn't own 11 properties. Well, we own nine, but we occupy 11. We have 11, pro- they told me you can't get buildings in San Diego. You can't get real estate in San Diego. But we, we, don't, we don't let the, the words of men be the final word. We go to God and whatever God says, we warfare Paul writes to Timothy and says, Timothy, my son, my son in the faith, wage the good warfare according to the prophecies previously made concerning you. A lot of people think, well, you know, pastor, you know, if God says it, he'll just do it. God's like, no, no, I sent you a word. And that word, I wanted to put courage on the inside of you so that anything that blocks that word, you have authority to take it down. If there was no devil, all God would have to do is speak and it would happen. But because there's a devil, because there's a hinderer, Paul says, we wanted to come many times, but Satan hindered us. Satan hindered us. The devil doesn't want you free in your mind. He doesn't want you free in your spirit. He doesn't want you free in your soul. He doesn't want you taking territory. He'll have people speak words at convenient times or inconvenient times, depending on how you frame it, that San Diego is too expensive. You can't buy a home in San Diego. Man, you should move to homes over there is much cheaper. Well, there's a reason they're much cheaper. We we were speaking to to some church leaders yesterday up in uh, Tahoe at a place called Heavenly. And I'm like, Heavenly? What a silly name. And then as you're driving up the street, you're like, oh, my God. (laughs) Heavenly. We've got a mountain there and what looks like an ocean, but it's the lake there. This is unbelievable. And I thought, no wonder, no wonder that the greedy, wicked want to plunder 
California's worth fighting for. California, the golden state, she is worth fighting for. I refuse to say, well, the wicked, well, you know, they're, they're, they're motivated by greed and they're... Do I refuse to let the wicked, fueled by greed, seize a state when God is saying, is there anybody fueled by righteous indignation? Desiring freedom and liberty that has more energy, more motivation. You know, the Bible says in Matthew eleven twelve, 12, it says, from, from the time of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. That's the NIV. The New King James says that from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. So there's, a, there's, a, there's an association with advancement and warfare. With it, I just don't understand how come no one's handing stuff out. I don't understand how come no one's put me. There's a, there's a correlation between advancement and warfare. Here's the saddest thing. The devil... The devil is more violent in stealing. The devil is more violent in robbing. The devil is more violent in thieving than the righteous are in freeing, than the righteous are in taking territory. Not on our watch, Bob. That's why I love that we have prayer meetings. That's why I love that we're a church that understands spiritual warfare, that we take territory. Every area of my life, for me to get free, it didn't come with the click of a finger. It didn't come with a wave of a hand. It didn't even come sometimes when I, when I read the Word. When I read the Word, I thought, my God, Jesus has set me free in my mind and free in this area. I had so much father rejection that I struggled. I, I, I wanted to be the nice guy to everybody, but I realized that I, that I couldn't flatter wickedness. I couldn't, I couldn't be kind to rebellion. My kindness didn't shift rebellion. And it got to a point where I had to confront. And I remember, I remember it all came to a head. My, my, my boss was cruel and there were some people in certain positions that were robbing what God had put in us, that what God had declared over our youth ministry. And I'm crying out to God and I, I know and I felt the Holy Spirit say, you got to confront them. And I had no strength. I had no strength to confront. From being beaten down and belittled, rejected, I craved men's approval. And I remember this one day just saying, God, could you put a spirit of confrontation in me? He says, I've commanded you to be strong and courageous. Like I did to Joshua, that's a word for you. Be strong and courageous. And I know, I know, but, I, but when I look inside, I don't have any of that strength. I don't have any of that courage for confrontation. I said, but God, you can make it easier for me. If you put a spirit of strength and a spirit of, of courage, then I could do it. And he said, huh. He says, Jürgen, when you were bound with lust, how did you get a spirit of lust? I said, well, you know, when I was stupid, I... Looked at things I shouldn't have looked at. I got involved in things I shouldn't have got involved. He says, so the action came before the spirit. Yeah. He says, how does somebody get a spirit of alcoholism? 
I said, well, you know, they drink to excess and they make that their default. He says, the action comes before the... I said, yeah, yeah. He says, the action comes before them. When I say to you, be bold, be strong, for the Lord thy God is with me, I expect you to step. I expect you to... You may not be comfortable. This may not come natural to you. But I'm calling you forth. I'm calling you to step in. I'm calling you to be. Right now, you are surrounded by things that are robbing from you and stealing from you because you won't stand up to it and you won't confront it. And you're saying, well, God, when I look within me, it's, of course it's not within you because you haven't done this yet. You've never stood up and you've never confronted you. Now is the time. I am telling you, I was shaking like nothing else, but the first time, and I was probably a little overbearing, a little overstrong, you know, like a little baby rattler. You know, the difference between a baby rattler and a, an adult rattler, just one, that's enough. You know, my hematoxin's in you, it's going to do its work. But a baby rattler, just they panic and they get adrenaline. They just keep, my first few confrontations were like that. I was the baby, and another thing. You got a weird haircut. Oh, hang on, what am I saying? Don't no, forget that. No, no, you're here. You know, no, I, just, I just went overboard. People have a proclivity to slavery over warfare. We need to teach people warfare. If we don't teach people warfare, listen, people know that it requires warfare. I can't tell you how many people, oh, pastor, can you just pray? Hey, pastor, can you just pray? Hey, pastor, can you just pray? The Bible says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. You can stroke the ego of an insecure pastor. Well, I'm overwhelmed with needs because I'm the man of God. But the greatest success a pastor can be is if he teaches you spiritual warfare, if he teaches you how to take down the devil, if he teaches you how to draw a line in the sand and say, devil, not on my house. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Get off my children. Get off my marriage. Get off my family. Get out of my mind. Get off my finances. Get off my body. Get off my health. Get off my... We have to teach people spiritual warfare. We have to teach people how to bind, how to lose. We have to teach people their authority in Christ. But understand that people have a proclivity. Our whole life from, from, from poverty to prosperity was spiritual warfare. When we arrived in San Diego, three little boys, suitcases. To what we have today, I'm telling you, it's because of spiritual warfare. It's because of, of prayer, walking, crying out, fighting the good fight of faith. Everything that God promised you, everything that God promised you, He will deliver, but it requires warfare. It requires warfare. Paul says to Timothy, my son Timothy, wage the good warfare according to the prophecies previously made concerning you. Don't buy into the lie that just because God said it, it'll automatically happen. God said it. He's 100% behind it. He will guarantee it. He will deliver it. But understand that there is a thief that comes to steal, kill and destroy. John 10, 10. But I have come that you may have life more abundantly. And our job is to bind the devil. Our job is to kick him out. If Adam would have done that, we wouldn't be in this mess. But because Adam failed, that shoe 
now falls to you. That can has been kicked down the street by Adam. But on our watch, I'm not kicking the, the can down the street to the next generation. I'm going to teach our church. I'm going to teach our people that you can be as free as you want to be. But it requires some shabradareg. It requires some spiritual warfare. You have authority over the devil. Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, Behold, I give you all authority over all the power of the, of the evil one. You have authority over the enemy. Last one, number three. Number three. This is, this is the funnest part. When this jumped out, Michael, you're going to love this. So God led them, verse, 16, uh, verse 18, excuse me. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus, the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. They left they left Egypt like an army ready for battle. They looked like an army ready for battle. But what did God say? Yeah, you ain't ready. If you see one sword, they're going to be fleeing back. So that tells me that you can look the part, but not be ready yet. I'm so glad that we got Emerge coming up. If you see the video of Emerge, you know, even most, most of our guys right now are trying to get in shape because Emerge is coming up because we're going to see more bulging biceps and pecs and abs and everything else. But I've got to tell you, I remember having coffee with a guy who had, you know, his company allowed him to be able to work out every day. Some days he'd work out twice a day and he, you know, had, would go to the tanning salon a few times a week and single, dysfunctional. He said to me in the, in the, 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 the coffee meeting, he says, and pastor, I just want you to know, I so love our church. Our church has saved my life. And because I love you and I love our church, I'll never date a girl from, from our church. And I'm like, What? And then as I dug down, the reason why is because he spends thousands of dollars every Friday and Saturday night buying girls drinks to hook up with them on one night stands. And he's trying to tell me, I just want you to know how to honor for you. I won't do that to any of the girls in our church. I'm like, you're 40 something and lonely. You've got biceps, you've got pecs, you've got a great tan, you're well, you look like, you look masculine. A woman looks for a man to, to provide strength, to provide security, to provide protection, to create an environment where she feels safe to express and to rise and to flourish and to grow and to be cherished. The world is all about putting on all of these things. We see, oh, wow, he looks masculine, but he, he's Israel. He came dressed for battle. He looked like a mighty army, but there was no warfare. There was no understanding what it is to be a husband to be a leader, to be a cherisher, to be a secure. He was so into himself. Instead of providing, instead of being a covering, he was an uncoverer. 
He was someone that took advantage of. The Bible says, let, let not him who puts on his armor boast like him who takes it off. You can look like you got it all together on the outside. But God always deals with the inside. Be careful for the people who are like, oh, praise the Lord, brother. Hallelujah. Greetings and salutations. The people, the people that can do all the external talk, but on the inside. That's why we, we test people. Find a place where you serve. Find a place where you serve. You can look the part, but not be ready yet. You can have all the right sayings, all the right words. You can be dressed with all the right garment. You can be saying all the right stuff. But God says, even though they left Egypt like a mighty army ready for battle, they look like they got it all together on the outside. But on the inside, Jesus looks and he sees a fig tree. And the Bible says the fig tree had leaves on it. Now, it wasn't the season for figs. It wasn't the season for figs. But when he looked, he saw the fig tree with leaves on it. And it wasn't the season for figs, and yet it had leaves. You know what it was doing? It was boasting. So the Bible says Jesus, who is God, who knows everything, thought, oh, he just assumed, oh, if it's got leaves, if it's producing leaves, it must have figs. And when he got there and searched, that's the second time somebody came to me with leaves saying, And he cursed the fig tree. May no one ever eat fruit from you again. They left Egypt like an army ready for battle. But they weren't ready for battle. They weren't ready for battle. They had it all going on on the outside, but on the inside. You know, one of the things that we were most criticized about when we first started our church was um, even by some of our best friends, hey, you guys are way too transparent. You guys are way too trans. People aren't going to respect you as a man of God if you keep sharing stuff about your marriage and Leanne kicking the fins out of your surfboard. Don't share that story. Don't. For, I can't believe you sh shared the story on her 18th birthday. You thought it was a good idea to buy her a thigh blaster. Like that is, that is the biggest dumbass decision I've ever heard. Christian, thanks for the standing ovation, Christian. But he's right. He's 100% right. Don't judge him. He's 100% right. We had people telling us, don't be transparent. Present fig leaves. Present. But we didn't know how to do it any other way. I got saved on a beach. I didn't get saved in a religious house. I got saved on a beach. I had an encounter with God. I, I thank God. I thank God that we say, hey, listen, we're not, we're not here trying to get you to put on the facade, to put on the fake it till you make it. That what we're looking for is substance on the inside. It's not just what we're looking for and we discard people that don't have it. In this house, not only are we looking for it, but we are looking to put it in there. We're looking to develop it. We believe that when the Word of God goes in, it is a seed that will produce kingdom. It'll produce strength. It'll produce courage. It'll produce holiness. It'll produce righteousness. It'll produce virtue. It'll produce faith. It'll produce hope. That's what the seed of the kingdom does. And so every week what we're looking for is hearts that open up and receive the Word of God. So you don't have to fake it till you make it. You don't have to look like you got it all together on the outside. But at the first sign of battle, you tuck tail and run.
You're a mighty army ready for battle. Don't rely on just having all the... It's like the, the, the guy, Andre, who turns up to, to play football and he's like, Coach, I've got, got my pads, I've got my cleats, they're brand new cleats, I've got everything. And you're like, I haven't seen any game tape. I haven't seen any. Yeah, but Coach, I've got all the stuff. He's a smart coach. He ain't putting a guy in just because he's got the right cleats and the right socks and the right uniform and the right padding. And Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father, for this beautiful church. We thank you for the lessons that we learned from leaving. We thank you for the privilege, the privilege of people that are getting born again in our city, discipling them. And as we disciple them, Lord God, we know that as they lead out into the wilderness, that the shortcut, the fastest route isn't always the best, that you're a God of process. Help us to get people to understand that you are processing them because you're not doing a microwave meal. You're doing something that has the most exquisite taste, the most magnificent flavor, the most beautiful aroma, that their life is extraordinary and celebrated because they submitted to the process of God. Father, we know that human beings, we all do. We have a proclivity. We, we move away from pain. We move away from discipline. We move towards pleasure. We move towards comfort. But Father, it's those very things, it's that very proclivity, that disposition that brought us into bondage in the first place. Help us to be a church that empowers people to take ground through spiritual warfare. And Father, help us to be a church that doesn't get fooled by people that look the part. They look like they got it together on the outside. Let us look for the fruit that comes from the heart on the inside. And everybody said, Amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.